0: Okay, so an action-packed parsha. After <laughs> uh-huh. a lot of parshas with a lot of halachos and names and countings, a lot of action in this one. There's also this very beautiful little couple of lines that we say. Actually, I don't know if they say it every every day, every time they open the our own, but I know that we say it on Shabbos. <laughs> When I'm in Shul, by he being Sohah Aron, by Yomer Moshe, Kuma Hashem via Futsoy Eicha, via Nusu Misan Eicha, Mipanecha. And when the Aron would travel, Moshe said, Kuma Hashem via Futsoy Eicha, Hashem let your enemies disperse, via Nusu Misan Eicha, and those who hate you should run away, Mipanecha. Uvenuchai Yomer Shuvah Hashem Ribafo Af Israel. And when it stopped, he said, Hashem return to all of the thousands in Israel. So then it sim wants to explain. It seems there's like a um a repetition. And of course like it's it's very poetic. You know, there's a lot of that kind of poetry in the Torah where you'll have repetition of an idea with different words. But he wants to get to the bottom of what's the difference between via Why both of those? What's the difference between may your your Enemies disperse, and those who hate you run away from you. So then it says, <speaking in Hebrew> And Oyev means someone who hates you in their heart. <speaking> in <Hebrew> As it says before, so what does it mean, those who hate Hashem in their hearts? What is the meaning of that, right? He's speaking to Hashem. Hashem, arise and may your enemies disperse. So he says enemies there means those who hate you in their heart. Who are the ones who hate Hashem in their hearts? It is those who wish evil upon the Jewish people. No because we are the ones who carry Hashem's glory in reality here ish sarve oyev and the way that it says at the end of parsha tzavah ish sarve oyev sar limata ve oyev lemala what does sarve oyev mean sar limata means he is harming us down here the oyev lemala means he hates in his heart the one above sarli li oyev lecha he's bad to me he's your enemy Tsar lebanim ve oyev avos He harms the children. If you harm someone's children, it means you hate their parents, you hate their fathers. There are two aspects, two ways in which they were afraid of B'nai Yisrael while they were working in the Midbar that they would come to harm. So the first one is when they would walk through, I never thought about this before, but as they were passing through the desert, they would also pass through cities and towns full of people who were non-Jews. And he was saying, it's possible that they would hate us. It's possible that they would hate us umista that they would fight with us and hate us and have enmity towards us while we were pa- the jews were passing through their towns so that's the first one oh shehayu mitkan seemed gedudin ba mitbar ba hilachaim im hanach shalim haoreh hamachane hamaatim kemosha samalek So the first is when we're passing through non-Jewish towns and they would see the Jews walking through their town and feel hatred and despise them and come and give them a hard time. And the second was what Amalek did, which was they would gather in their little battalions, their military battalions, and fight against the Jewish people by attacking the weak ones at the back of the machane the way that amalek did alza hi pole moshefia futsu oyvecha so now he's going to take these two aspects and apply them to the double language in the pusah it said kuma shanvia futsu oyvecha via nusumi sanegha so via futsu oyvecha may your enemies disperse Those who are in their own towns, they would disperse and go and hide and scurry into their homes to hide from Bnei Israel, out of fear of the glory of Hashem that was so clear when you saw the Jewish people walking through these towns. They would be afraid to come out of their homes and give the Jewish people a hard time. It doesn't really make sense to say that the people in their towns should run away. Where should they run away? They're in their own towns. But they should disperse and scurry away like mice and hide themselves in their own towns. But if some military groups and battalions should... Congregate in order to actually wage war against B'nai Israel. On that, it's appropriate to say that they should run away because they came out into the desert to greet us, so they would run away. These people he called Misan Echa. Misan Echa meaning they want to do an act of hatred, an act, a violent act. So, Oivachat to the Nitzv means hating in your heart, but not necessarily having action intended here. Misan Misanecha means coming out to actually destroy. palel Behitpalel kab kabtsam lehilachem be'es sheyagia Yisrael samuch lahem ba'acharkach sheyaruu bevoam kvot Hashem she'aleihem yanusu mipnei Hashem v'hadar ge'ono. That these ones who come out with the intent to actually commit violence against the Jews, that they will end up running away from fear of seeing the glory of Hashem as it is expressed through the Jewish people. So that's how he explains means people who hate you in their heart, who are in their towns, who see the Jews passing through the town, they should scurry and disperse and hide away and not bother them. Whereas when they're walking through the desert, those who actually congregate as a, a, an army, intending to harm, intending to kill, they should run back to their towns and hide. So, v'afutsu oyvecha, he says. Kipirish Rashi b'shem Chazal. So Rashi says on v'afutsu oyvecha, and then on misan echa, elu sonay Yisrael, shakol ha sonay es Yisrael, sonay es mishe amar v'hayah ha olam. Anyone who hates the Jews actually hates Hashem. That's the Rashi. So, but then it says, "But wait a minute!" In his interpretation, that's Oyvecha because Oyvecha is hating in your heart. So Necha is coming out and doing a political act, a violent act, an act out there. So why is Rashi saying on the word so the question, why is he saying that on umisan but that is talking about an act of oyev He should have said that on those who hate Hashem in their hearts. They hate us because we are worshippers of Hashem. Hashem, meaning they really hate Hashem like this is a, a hatred of God it's not a hatred of us we're just the conduit of it because we are the expression of it we are the carriers of Hashem's glory in this world he's saying the hatred that expresses itself in action you can't have that to Hashem because you cannot fight Him you can't take action against him. They express their desire to harm Hashem and to wage war against Hashem by harming us and waging war against us, meaning that their hatred of Hashem in their hearts, their refusal to accept expresses itself in this attempt to harm the Jewish people here on earth in a physical, actual way because you can't actually wage war on Hashem. So he's saying that these two things are very interconnected and that, to me, the reason this stood out to me was first because we read this every every Shabbos, possibly more often if you're a man, you go to the time but the idea of like It's his attempt to understand anti-Semitism, I think, as being a spiritual struggle between Hashem and people who don't want to accept him as God. And we are simply the the sort of the representatives of it. And I think it's such a like ennobling view of what anti-Semitism is like we are. He's our father. It's like when people hate your father and so they attack you because they're too scared to go after him and they know that they can't go after him. And I think about the writing this, like, you know, in Europe at the time when there was so much anti-Semitism and it was such a threat to see that as an expression of a gift that was given to us to bear the burden of being the front lines in this spiritual contest, in this spiritual war. So I thought that was really beautiful. And the other thing I wanted to call attention to is his interpretation of... So in this week's Parsha, we have the story of Miriam and Aaron, who speak Lash and about Moshe. So the pasuk says, mm-hmm. Miriam and Aaron... We're speaking about Moshe, about the Isha Kushi, the, the black woman, although Rashi interprets that as meaning the beautiful woman that he took. He left his family for this woman. And they said, Didn't Hashem speak to us as well? And Hashem heard it and he got very angry on behalf of Moshe and Miriam gets Saras and she has to sit and everybody waits for her for seven days and then they move on. And in between what they said and Moshe's and, and Hashem's response when he appears to them and frightens them and stands up for Moshe, it says, And the man Moshe was the most humble of all people on earth. And so the Nitzv wants to understand what exactly his anivus was, what exactly was the quality of his humility. And so the it says, <inaudible> HaShem did not get involved here on behalf of Moshe's suffering or because he was hurt by what was said about him. the <inaudible> emet." Moshe lo k'lal Moshe anav. So the Pasuk comes to tell us, what you're about to see Hashem getting involved, don't think that he was standing up for Moshe's suffering on behalf of what he heard from uh, Miriam and Aaron. He's saying because Moshe did not suffer from this at all. He's explaining why this Pasuk is inter- is put in between the and Hara, and then Hashem's response when Ashavayeri Rashan Banu ran on by Amo Pesaro by cra ron miran by itushin byoma Shimonat varai imi yenavia Hashem bemarah elav esvade bekholoma de berbo lokena of Moshe most of the hope but he really reads them the right act Hashem does nobody is like my 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 servant moshe i speak to him face to face There's no riddles. There's no hiding here. He sees my image. How are you not afraid to speak of him that way? It's this very impassioned response. And the Nitzvah is saying, you think Hashem intervened like that because Moshe was suffering and he couldn't stand to see Moshe be belittled and to feel that way. And the Nitzvah says, no. Moshe was not suffering at all. Be'er hakasuv, delo mishu Moshe v'tsa'aro anu Hashem. Hashem did not get involved because of Moshe and his tsa'ar, and his suffering, right? He's explaining why Miriam and Aaron say that, 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 the the Lashon Hara, and Hashem gets very upset. But in between, it says, Be'ha'ish Moshe anav me'od mikol ha'adam asher opnei ha'adamah. And it's coming to teach you, this sentence explains why Hashem got involved in the first place. And don't think for a second it's because Moshe was suffering because he wasn't. About the MS, Moshe lo chashash klal lzeh. Really, Moshe was not bothered by it at all. Dehaish Moshe Because it says Moshe was the most humble man on the planet. Ella mishum shenogel hatora, koach ma'alaso Moshe, Hashem got involved and intervened because it was he was intervening on behalf of the kavod of the Torah, which requires understanding the level of anibus that Moshe had. The Torah and Moshe are completely intertwined, and earlier it says that Moshe was he was overwhelmed with the, the task of dealing with Bnei Yisrael. They were complaining and complaining, they need meat, they need meat. He said to Hashem, I can't, I can't handle this by myself anymore. And Hashem says, okay, we're going to get 70 Zakenim, and they're going to help you with this. And then it's explained there that Moshe's um gave to them a portion of, he, they, he was like a candle, and they each lit from him to get the quality of Ruach HaKodesh. But the Ruach HaKodesh they got was the kind that you get from learning Torah Shabbat not from Torah Shabbat. So there were two kinds of Ruach HaKodesh that Moshe had. Hashem would speak to him and he would just listen and that was Torah Shabbat. And then he would answer back, he would learn how to learn, which was Torah Shabbat. and he would speak back to Hashem. And that is the one that he transferred over to the Shivim Zakanim, that they too would have that quality of that Ruach HaKodesh, to be able to learn in the Torah and to have that relationship. But the kavod of the Torah and Moshe's character are so deeply connected. So the it says, It gets to the heart of the meaning of the Torah. To understand the power of Moshe and his unique qualities. There was something above Every Nivua that existed. So, what was that quality? What was that unique quality? Umash anavhu she'ino What it means to be humble is he's not cuss on his kavod. He's not worried about getting respect. He's not worried about his authority and his status and his suffering. The lo mishum shehu shafel But it does not mean that he is Shafel, that he doesn't take himself seriously, that he's a nobody, that he he does not recognize his own self-worth. That's not what it means, because that is very important to Ikar HaTorah. Moshe understood his self-worth. He wasn't a I'm a nothing, I'm not worthy, anybody can insult on this and that. No. The Naziv is making a difference between makir baatsmo and Kavod. Kavod is something someone else gives you. And he didn't care about that at all. He was makir baatsmo. He understood himself and his worth through his connection to the Torah. And the Torah was elevated by Moshe's character. So he didn't think of himself as a nothing, and didn't recognize his self-worth. That I'm not worthy of some sort of respect and whatnot. The meaning of humility requires self-worth. I mean, it's so modern. It's so deep. And uh, Raz and Atar, I'm so, I'm like, I wonder if this is so relevant, because I feel like this is so important to how we today think about, like, self-esteem and self-worth and how important that is. And he's saying you cannot have real humility without recognizing your self-worth. Like, it's just, it's so radical. When you have real self-worth, you don't sit around counting who's giving you kavod and who's recognizing your status and who's elevating you and who complimented in you, who dissed me and who said something nasty about me and who stole from me and who did this and who did that. You don't worry about that stuff. The high note to Amma Rabbi Yosef, and he brings a proof text from the Gemara that actually made me laugh. There's a story about Rabbi Yosef at the end of Maseches Sota. So when Rabbi Nasi died, uh, the Gemara says anava <laughs> When when he was so pow- like Rabbi Huna was like the the paragon of humility and fear of sin. And when he died, it was erased from the world. <laughs> and apparently, Rabbi Yosef did not like that, and he stood up and said, <laughs> Don't say that there's no more humility in the w- world. What about me? I'm still here. Like you would think if you read that, like, my God, like that's the opposite of anivos, you know, that's the opposite of humility. But no, he knew what he was, and he wasn't gonna hide that or lie about that. He knew his own self worth. The it says in Mesechas Horios, the call shani de melech raba rabyosev yosef afilu umna lebese lokara. The whole time that Rabbi was in charge, Rabbi Yosef never once called a doctor to come to his house. Even though he was a very important person, he always went to the doctor himself. Because he was not chas on his kavod, uperish Rashi. And Rashi said there, shra atzmo. He didn't want to act with authority, to, to act like he was all that. Shibeshaas ani tzra'ch le Oman halach elav. When he needed a doctor, he could go to see the doctor. Lo karas ha Oman le beisay. Algalav sheyadar Rab Yosef shahu be erech Raba. Even though he knew that he was an extremely important person with a lot of worth, mikom akom lo chashash li chavod anava. He understood his self worth, but he was not chas on his kavod. And I think that that, what the Torah is telling you here is if you know your self-worth, Hashem is going to defend you. There's a spiritual defense that happens, that protects you, that comes to your defense, that speaks up on your behalf. Because it's not right. You don't have to sit there worrying about everything as long as you know your self-worth. And of course, with Moshe, that self-worth was, you know, according to the Nitziv, it was nogei le'ikar ha-Torah. It was completely... Intertwined, there's something about learning Torah that I mean, obviously, I mean, I feel it learning the next every week, but it just gives you this inner sense of who I am, you know, like who I am. And I, I just thought that was. Unbelievably ahead of his time, and deep, and modern, and like so relevant to my life, certainly, um, and uh, just a beautiful, beautiful insight that really shows like this special ability to think about the Torah from a point of view of like a person, and then go back through the sources and find other proof texts and reinterpret them. Shama should have an aliyah. Thank you, everybody, for coming. Mm-hmm and we'll see you next week.
1: I think that that was what your first Torah about his notion that anti-Semitism, and he was one of the first, he and Rapsodok were the first uh, in the 19th century to actually discuss anti-Semitism as a topic in Jewish history. They were the first who had this historical sense of Judaism. He was prescient about saying, it was almost a mystical thing to say, this isn't about them and us, it's about them and the Rabonish Shluelam. And the apotheosis of that concept, that spiritual idea for anti-Semitism, we cannot ignore uh, the, the, the apotheosis of that idea in the Pia Setsna. It's in the Warsaw Ghetto that the Age Kodish writes that if we can only get out of the way in our suffering and what's being done to us, and see that this is not a battle between Hitler and the Jews, but it is a battle between the forces of evil and the Rabboni Shalom, then we, are, we will be, he says, in a new Kabbalah never before said, then we will be invited in the Bote Shvachim upstairs to cry with God. I think that that is a direct spiritual timeline and, and spiritual descendant of this idea of Jewish history and uh, the mystical view of Jewish history in which uh, we are merely the representatives of the divine down here. And I I, I had to add that because, you know, I'm bursting with it. <laughs> <laughs> because the age Kodesh really took it to its ultimate, you know, in the middle of the Yamei uh, that we've been through in our history.